Well, I have the great privilege to introduce tonight's speaker. You know, in life, it's important to have mentors. It's important to have people in your life that pour into you, that help you along the way. People that not only tell you when you're making a mistake, but also tell you about their own mistakes so that you don't have to make them. And I've had the privilege of having two of them that are in this room tonight. One was the speaker last night, and the other one is the speaker for tonight. He does not really need an introduction here at New York Teen Challenge. He doesn't really need an introduction probably anywhere in the country or the world for that matter because he is the founder, the co-founder of this wonderful ministry that we've all been reaping benefits for. and People have been reaping benefits for, for for 60 years as him and his brother honored the call of God in their lives. Not only to birth teen challenges around the country, but around the world. But I'm sure that he will tell you his greatest success is the fact that he's been married to a lovely lady for probably close to 60 years now. They have, yeah, you can give them a round of applause for that. That's a testimony in itself. They have three beautiful children, five grandchildren. The speaker tonight is the author of over 20 books. He is the co-founder of Teen Challenge and the president of Brooklyn Teen Challenge. Let's give a standing ovation to your speaker for tonight, Pastor Don Wilkerson. share what's on my heart. Paul, thank you. I've had uh, a lot of directors work under me over the years, and uh, Paul is the best. I appreciate him very, very much. And thank you, uh, thank you, Long Island, and, uh, and Willie, for uh, training him for us, uh, uh, mentoring him. And uh, Willie, we appreciate you so, so much. Uh, and, and Anna, um, you know, uh, up until this year, beginning this year, uh, I've, I've known Willie in more official capacities, but due to certain circumstances, uh, we were drawn much closer the end of last year and uh, the beginning of this year, and I've come to appreciate his leadership more and more. Now, um, one, uh, oh, I, 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 I do have, um, ooh, 
I, do, I do have water here, so if I run out, then I'll, I'll, I'll need yours. <laughs> and um, one announcement. Um, I, I wished I was able to give one of my study, bi study Bibles to every student, but I couldn't. We gave away a few to, uh, to staff. But tomorrow, uh, thanks to Charles Simpson, uh, he's going to uh, have some other Bibles here that if you go on Christian.com, uh, you'll pay about $35, $38 for it. Tomorrow, only here, you can buy that Bible for $10. And if you already have one, then buy one for your family or buy one for somebody else. Uh, and, um, uh, and they, uh, the, the second edition is coming out, and they will not be with the Teen Challenge uh, name on it. Uh, th there'll be uh, uh, a letter-like cover on it, so this is the last opportunity to get a Bible that uh, has the name Teen Challenge on the front of it. Okay, let's go to the Word. I want to take you first to Luke, and then I'll take you over to uh, uh, Mark chapter 5. Uh, in, in, in Luke chapter 5 is a story of uh, a, uh, a paralytic who came to see Jesus, and he couldn't get into the house, and he, he, was, uh, he was brought there by four brothers, four of his friends, and uh, because they couldn't get in to see Jesus, they went up on the rooftop, and they broke through it, and they lowered Jesus down uh, right, right in front of him, uh, a, a front row seat. Uh, that's one way to get a front row seat, uh, <laughs> come, come through the roof. And uh, Jesus said, uh, to the first thing he said to a man, your sins are forgiven. And then uh, the scribes and Pharisees said, uh, only God can forgive. Uh, who do you think you are that you can forgive? Uh, and then he said to the man, verse 24, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Now, in the fifth chapter, I excuse me, in, in the, yes, the fifth chapter of John, uh, where our chosen uh, theme verse is for uh, this, I, I will read to you the, uh, the part that leads up when Jesus said the same thing to, to this man as he did to the other man. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. I think Bethesda means house of mercy. Uh, and in these lay great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel came down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. Now, commentators have tried to figure out uh, how that was. There's no, there's no other indication in any of the scripture ab about it, but we just have to accept it as face value that thi this was a, a, uh, a miracle pool. 
And can you imagine if that took place today? They'd have to have security guards and uh, so forth. Uh, but uh, 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 amazing things were, uh, something very amazing was to take place. Now, there was a man there who had an infirmity 38 years, and Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been in this condition a long time, and he said to him, you're next. He said to him, you're next. Well, before he, <laughs> uh, he, he was next, but he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the water, the pool, when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked, and it was on the Sabbath. I would entitle this Man's Hopelessness and Christ's Power. Um, and certainly the man here, uh, as is pictured here, is a, is a story of, 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 of hopelessness. And uh, we might say that he had a life-controlling problem <laughs> in that he had no control over his life. He had no ability to function as a healthy person that could walk about and do those things that you and I with healthy legs are able to do. This man could not walk. He, cut, he could not work. He could not go anywhere without assistance. If he went anywhere, he had to be taken and lifted and carried by, other, by others. Uh, and he may have also not had friends who were able to come and help him to get in the water before somebody else. And we might say that this man, in, in a certain respect, is a picture of what addiction and sin does for some. It renders them incapable of normal functions in life. It results in being powerless over one's addiction. Now, step one of the 12 steps of AA says, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol, our lives had become unmanageable, and so this cripple is, in a way, a picture of the addicted, powerless and helpless to conquer the problem on your own. But how did this man go from powerlessness to the ability to walk in newness of life? And I share with you three things that happened when Jesus said, rise up and take up your bed and walk. The first thing he had to overcome is to not give up. Before you can rise up, you have to overcome an attitude of giving up. So he went from give up to rise up to take up. And that is a wonderful picture of what, what can and hopefully is happening to you in Teen Challenge. This is a man who had given up. In John 5, 6, Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? 
Now, that seemed to be a redundant question to a man who is a cripple. Do you want to be made well? Now, if the man was from Brooklyn, he would have said, duh. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> do you think I want to be like this the rest of my life? Do you think I want to be a cripple? But Jesus had a good reason to ask him that question. Jesus thought that maybe he had accepted his condition and that he thought he would never change. And in verse 7, we get an indication of his self-pity and, and perhaps having given up when he said, whenever an angel stirs the water, somebody gets there before me. Jesus saw something in the man's attitude that needed to be changed before he could rise up and walk. Maybe he bought into a philosophy was, well, this is what I meant to be. God willed it, and I just have to accept that this is my lot in life. Listen, you will not get up until you will not get up if you have given up. There are people who actually get accustomed to failure. They, for whatever reason, find comfort and security in living a dysfunctional lifestyle. Jesus was challenging this man, saying, listen, if you will get well, you're going to have to go to work. No more wallowing in self-pity. No more playing the victim card. I remember my father as a pastor in, in, in sitting near here, uh, Scranton, and, and there was a lady in the church who would come for prayer every time there was prayer for healing. Every time she would come and she'd be prayed for over and over again. And finally one day I said to my father, I, I said, Dad, why doesn't sister so-and-so get healed? He said, son, if she got healed, she'd, she'd lose all the attention she's getting right now. She doesn't want to be healed. She just wants attention. <laughs> and so Jesus said, do you want to be well? And by the way, he, he would have also said to the man, if you get well, you can help other people get into the water. Giving up can become a way of life. One student told me once, Pastor, every time I get close to thinking that I put my past behind me, I hear a voice in my head, my father's voice, who used to tell me all the time, you'll never amount to anything. And every once in a while, the devil will play that card and that voice in my mind. And I ask you tonight, what voices are you listening to? You can be listening to a voice that causes you to give up. I'm going to answer a question for some of you staff that you have, may have had for years. Why do certain students <laughs> go all the way through the program, they get right up close to graduation, or they're in restoration, and they get right close up, and they leave. They leave the program. Why does that happen? I'll tell you why. Because 
They are afraid of success. They're afraid of success. If they graduate, they will have to demonstrate a testimony of a successful graduate. And the I quit attitude that they have embraced, they'll have to give that up as well. And the devil plays on that attitude to turn them into living in a constant sense of failure because you can get comfortable in a miserable life. One day, my brother, early days of Teen Challenge, had a rude awakening. He found this young man living in squalor in a basement on South 2nd Street in Williamsburg. And uh, it wasn't a drug addict, but he said to the young man, come on, I got a home, I got a place you live, I got a clean bed. So he, he, he brought him, uh, he brought him to uh, the, the men's home, 416. And cleaned him up. Uh, he was able to get cleaned up. Gave him fresh clothes, three meals uh, to eat. And then my brother went to preach somewhere. And when he came back, he found out the young man was gone. And he said, "Pastor, he's gone." And and my brother was was surprised. And and so he drove back to to to, uh, uh, to where he found the young man. And sure enough, there he was. There he was, sitting on a cot, around it, uh, surrounded by filth, uh, the same place that my brother had pulled him out of. And my brother says, why? He says, Pastor, you pulled me out of my comfort zone. You pulled me out of my comfort zone. And let me ask you tonight, what is your comfort zone? What is your comfort zone? Sometimes you have to detox from your comfort zone, whatever that may be. And listen, listen, I don't care how many you see leave Teen Challenge and quit. I tell you, it does not have to happen to you. Do you want to be well? That's the first question that Jesus asked him. Do you want to be well? Sometimes you have, to, you have to go into the deep of your heart and your deep of your soul to say, do I really want to be well? I, I, I remember Johnny, I got a call a week or so ago from some of you will know this name, Johnny Melendez. Johnny is a graduate from the 60s, uh, Teen Challenge. He's uh, a retired Army chaplain. Uh, and... One night we were doing an, uh, an outreach in Spanish Harlem and, and he responded to the altar call and uh, he told Nikki uh, he had been in the gang and then he was on heroin and, and he told Nikki he, he, he needed help. And usually in those days, if somebody asked for help, we put them in the vehicle and took them right in, uh, uh, right into the program. But for some reason, Nikki wasn't sure about him. So he said, listen, tomorrow, uh, it was Saturday, meet me on the corner of 125th Street and 3rd Avenue. And so uh, Nick, Nicky shows up, and sure enough, Johnny is there. A and he brings Johnny in, into 416 to the men's home. First thing he did, he took him in the chapel, and, he, and only as Nicky Cruz could do, 
laid hands on him and prayed down the power of God in his life. And then he said to Johnny, he said, stick your hands up. Put your hands up and you pray. And he began to mumble a few words. And Nick, he said, pray louder. And so he began to pray louder. And at that moment, it just struck me funny. Nicky had been on the streets, and sometimes with a knife, he would go up to people and say, stick them up. <laughs> now he was doing the same thing, but now with the sword of the Lord. <laughs> and Johnny never turned back, and he called me. He said, Brother Don, the Lord put me on your heart. I feel like you're going through a difficult time, and, and I called to pray for you and to thank you and, and so forth. Uh, and, and that's what happened uh, to, to Johnny Melendez, and you're next, and you're next. <laughs> Hallelujah. Point number two, Jesus said to the crippled man, rise up and walk. Now, I don't know if anyone else gave the man a hand and assistance to help him get up into his feet. We're not told. Neither are we told if the man said anything in response to the command, rise up and walk. But we can be assured that the man felt some power to go through his legs. And he knew that he was able to get up. And in my mind, I, I, I picture this. Sometimes I picture it as if I was a filmmaker uh, and, and I was filming it. And, and the man would get up, and he would be a, a, a little hesitant because he, he never walked in 38 years. And so he, he takes a few steps, and he takes a few steps, and all of a sudden he realizes that he can walk. And then he just shouts out, I can walk. I'm healed. I'm healed. I love the story in Acts chapter 3 of another crippled man that Peter and John prayed for him. And when, when, when he got up... <laughs> He ran into the temple. It says he was walking and leaping and praising God. Now, I read this miracle over and over again, and I asked myself, how does this apply to a student in Teen Challenge? Obviously, you are not physically crippled. But nevertheless, you're here to learn to walk away from your past, to walk as a new creature in Christ Jesus. How do you obey the command, rise up and walk? Here's how to apply this command in your situation. All you need to do is change the letter R in the word rise and change it to a W. And you will find your answer how to experience a new life and a new walk, and a new purpose. Here's the word of the Lord for some of you here tonight. Wise up and walk. Wise up and walk. Where's Dr. Phil? We need him. His wisdom. Those who do not wise up do so because of a number of reasons. But let me tell you about one that happens in Teen Challenge. <laughs> Being pride, prideful, and puffed up. Now, 
Here's, here's a way you should come into Teen Challenge with your head hung down. I call it a hang down look. That's the way a person should come into Teen Challenge. Then when God begins to work in your life, he begins to change you, and what happens? He becomes a lifter of your head. Instead of going around like this, and the devil looks at that. I asked Ben Torres one day about a guy in the program. I said, Ben, how's he doing? And he said, he's doing too good, Brother Don. <laughs> and then he explained to me why. A and the devil, the, when the devil sees uh, that, <laughs> that, uh, that you want to change and, and you're do doing good, and then he starts telling you how good you are. If the devil can't get you one way, he'll get you another way. If he can't get you with a give up mentality, he'll inflate your ego. So much so that your head will get so big that there won't be a hat that will be able to fit on your head. <laughs> you see what happens? Uh, What, 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 what <laughs> and, and by the way, if you don't wise up and walk in humility, you'll run into a wall. And you'll fall into a black hole somewhere. Wise up and swal swallow your pride. One day I was in a dining room at 444. And I was, I was sitting with a, a new student. And um, he was telling me, he, he, he grew up in the church. He knew the Bible really, really well. And uh, one of our interns, he'd just become an, an intern, he was in charge that day, and, and he was sitting at the same table. And the intern got up to call on somebody with a prayer, and this young man started complaining about this other student. And, uh, and you know, he, went, he went on and on about uh, complaining about him. And finally, I'd had enough, and I, uh, uh, at, the, at that point, the young man in charge called on somebody to pray. A and after the prayer was finished, I said to the young man, if you know so much, why are you sitting here and he's standing there in charge? You have a long way to go. Because pride goeth before a fall. Wise up and walk. Pride turned angels into demons. I was 21 years old, I think, 22 years old. I'm in charge of the house. Uh, we've got a dozen guys or so in the program, maybe, maybe more. And, and they, they were... Most of them were young uh, teenagers. A lot of them were teenagers, but occasionally we get an older one. And so I asked one of the guys, he's about 30 years old, I asked him, how you doing? He said, not so good. I said, why? He said, because I got to take orders from you. You're just a kid. You're just a kid. I said, excuse me just a minute. In this place, we do not judge age Chronologically, 
we judge it spiritually. And I said, I'm a lot older than you spiritually, and you haven't even been born yet. <laughs> he looked at me. He didn't expect to hear that. He looked at me, and then a big smile came over his face, and he said, Pastor, you got me there. You got me there. Some of you are not going to make it because of your pride and getting puffed up when you should appreciate every staff member that's in this place. And you see, you can get to that point. You can get to a point where you think you have outgrown the program. A young man approached me one day at Times Square Church, and, and he was in the program, and, and I said, how are you doing? He said, oh, man, this, this program, it's, it's tough. And I love, I love when I hear students say to me that the program is tough because it needs to be tough, tough love, needs to be tough. You know, but he said, I feel like an onion being peeled. And, and he said, how long does this last? I said, the rest of your life. <laughs> and he looked at me, he said, what do you mean? I said, listen, the program is about Jesus. And therefore, the program will go with you everywhere you go. I'm still in the program. And you can reach a point where you think that you have outgrown the other staff or this intern or whatever, and pride will kill you. And more people have fallen in this ministry and left the program because of pride more than anything else. <laughs> pride goeth before a fall. In God's kingdom, the way up is down. The way of ascending is humility. The way of descending is pride. Ecclesiastic 21.11 says, when the scorner is, pun is punished, the simple is made wise. And when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. <laughs> Point number three. Said, get up, rise up, wise up, and then take up. I've always been curious why Jesus specifically told a man to take his bed with him when he could walk. If it were me, I would never want to see that bed ever again. It represented where he had spent 38 years of his life, confined to a three by six or a four by eight mallet, a bedroll. It may have had a smell to it, it may have been worn and tattered due to how much time he spent on that bed. It had been his home, his address, so to speak. And it had identified him as a cripple and perhaps also as a beggar. And Jesus said, get up and take up. You cannot be healed unless you take up your bed. 
Because if you dig deeper into this story, there's a good reason Jesus told this man and the other story I told you and told him to carry his bed with him. In those days, sickness and disease was considered to be a direct result of sin. And with that sin came shame. The Jews believed very strongly that all suffering from sickness or disease, and in this case, uh, deformity of body, was the result of a person's sin or maybe his parents. And remember uh, in John, uh, 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 they brought a blind man uh, to Jesus and they said, who sinned, him or his parents? Which is interesting because he was blind from birth. I mean, how, how could you be a sinner? Uh, uh, theologically, I, 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 I guess he was. This man lived with a triple burden. He was an invalid. He had been taught his condition was the result of his sin. And thirdly, there was the shame that went with this. So when Jesus said, take up your bed and walk, the bed, the bed represented a trophy of God's grace. No more cripple, no more sinner, no more shame. No more an outcast. The bed represented his past, and his past no longer controlled him, but he was able to control it. Hallelujah. <laughs> the bed represented him being labeled an incurable sinner and the shame it brought to himself and his family. And having the ability to carry his bed meant that all that that bed represented was forever gone. Everybody that comes to Teen Challenge, and you probably are not conscious this on a conscious level, everybody that comes through the doors of Teen Challenge carries two things with them, guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Let me tell you what guilt does and what shame does. Guilt tells me that I did something wrong. Shame tells me that I am something wrong. Even if someone else caused that shame. Every addict carries these two burdens into the program. And this is why I am passionate about Teen Challenge being faith-based, Christ-centered, from day one when somebody enters the program because only the cross at the cross of Jesus Christ can you overcome your guilt and to be free and overcome your shame, hallelujah. The same message to the cripple at the pool of the Cessna is your message. Take up your bed and walk. Picture here this man after his healing walking around Carrying his bed, his past is no longer a problem to him. He carried it. He had a new identity. The old was gone and the new had come. A little boy ran around church during the sermon, during the service, and the mother kept after him to sit down. And finally she grabbed him and she, she just slammed him down and said, I said, sit down. He looked up, and he said, yeah, but I'm standing up inside. <laughs> Let me reverse the illustration. You can be standing up, 
on the outside, but lying down on the inside. And Jesus says to you, rise up and walk, overcome that defeatist attitude, overcome your shame. <laughs> Hallelujah. Like I, 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 I've never told this story quite like it is. And uh, <laughs> this moves me about what I'm about to tell you. I close this message referring you to a man in the Bible I call the chain man. The chain man. One day Jesus journeyed across the Sea of Galilee to the east side into Gentile territory. And there he encountered a man full of demons. He was homeless, he was naked, living in a cemetery in the tombs. And Luke 8, 24 and then verse 29 says, he abode neither in any house. He abode neither in any house. He was kept bound in chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands. Jesus cast the demons out. And Luke 8.35 gives this great testimony. A crowd gathered to see the man set free. And it says, what did it say? That he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Then something very, very curious happened, and it just hit me so powerfully. Something happened that caught my attention. As Jesus got in the boat to go back to the other side, do you know what the man did? It says, and the man who had been demon-possessed begged, begged to go with Jesus. Why would he beg to go with Jesus? I propose two reasons. Number one, he was so grateful for what Jesus had done. But number two, <laughs> he was ashamed of himself. He was ashamed of his past. He probably was an embarrassment to his family given how he lived full of demons. And so when he begged Jesus to go with him. Jesus would have none of it. He would have none of it. Jesus said, no, go back to your family and tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. And then he became an evangelist. And I have a word from the Lord for some of you tonight. Like the prodigal son, like the chain man, you can Go home again. Jesus wanted him to go home. Like the testimony we heard here tonight, Jesus said, you can go home. And that's my word to you tonight. You can go home. Now, I don't mean tonight. I don't mean tomorrow. <laughs> but after you rise up and walk and wise up and walk and you take up your bed and walk, then you can go home. And I think shame had so overcome him because of who he was and what he had done to his family and, and so forth. But Jesus said, you can go home. Return to your own house and show what great things God has done. Are you, are you ready to go home?
Are you ready for the next level? Are you ready to take the next step? Uh, are you... You are the next, yes, you are. Are you the next one that's ready to take that step as the prodigal did and as a chain man did? Because Jesus removed the demons and the guilt and the sin and the shame and said, you can go home now because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Shall you? Um, stand with me, if you will. Stand with me, if you will. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to some hearts here tonight. Speak to some, Lord, who have, <laughs> have allowed pride, attitudes, I'm better than the next guy. I'm better than this staff member. I've reached a point now where I don't need the program anymore. And, 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 and Lord, I, I just pray for them. I just pray for them. That anybody in that attitude tonight, Lord, that you would change their heart, Lord. Change their heart. Humble them again. May they humble themselves before you and say, Jesus, Forgive me, forgive me for having wrong attitudes. Forgive me for thinking myself more than I should think of myself. Lord, keep us broken, always broken before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, Will. Hallelujah. 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 And oh, to Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I plead. Thine will ever love and trust in Him. His Just a little observation and an altar call. In my observation, um, I notice that the ones that are quickest to come to the altar are usually those who are newer in the program or they're four or five months in, in, in the program. And there, and there are some, there are some uh, who, who uh, I mean, to the whole program. They're very quick to respond to the altar and, 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 and reach out to the Lord. But then I notice that there are some, they reach a certain point where they don't respond anymore. They don't respond anymore. They stand back, they sit back, they lay back because they think they have arrived. <laughs> 
None of us have arrived. None of us have arrived yet. What's it say? You, you are next. You are next. Yes, yes. Uh, you're, you are next for the Lord to do in your life what he did for this man at the pool of Bethesda. But he went from give up to rise up to wise up to take up. And if you're here tonight and say, Brother Don, I received something in that message that I believe was directly for me. And I and Will, as you lead us, I want you to step out and come to this altar and, and fill this altar and fill the front tonight as, as they sing and say, yes, it spoke to my heart. And I don't, I, don't want to, I, I don't want pride to destroy me. I don't want a bad attitude to destroy me. I, I don't want it to, I, I, I don't want uh, a puffed up feeling to destroy me. I want to stay humble before the Lord so that you can do everything you want to do in my life. Amen. You that, you that are up uh, here in the front can't see what I see, where uh, al almost all of the, the, the front part, is, the altar is filled uh, with people going back one, two, three, four, five, uh, six rows. Um, and I, 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 want, I want a few of you to lead in prayer in behalf of your brothers and sisters that are here responding to the word tonight responding to the theme of this message and, and just just um, uh, lift up your need and their